This is The Herb Walk with Jessica Baker. On this episode, we talk to Julie Caldwell. We discuss humble herbals, working with plant spirits, and her love of herbalism. Join us on today's episode of The Herb Walk Podcast on iTunes. This is Jessica Baker here with Julie Caldwell, herbalist, shopkeeper, plant lover, Julie has been the proprietor of Humble Herbals for almost 20 years up here in Eureka, California. We appreciate you joining us today, Julie. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So Julie, why don't you tell us a little bit about either your first herbal experience or how you really got interested in working with plants? How I came to be employed by the plants. (laughs) (laughs) So first herbal experience, I've got one of the classic grandma stories for you there, because my grandmother in Alabama was a plant lady extraordinaire. She knew about companion planting and uh, plant spirit work without ever calling it either one of those things. But she uh, like she always planted collard greens with her roses. She was famous for her rose gardens and rose beds spectacular. She had hundreds of roses, but she always, she would say that the, that the roses told her they liked to have collard greens for neighbors. And, you know, it plays out that there is in fact something involved in the root system of collard greens that really nourishes and assists roses to fight off different blight and pests and things like that. But every plant she had, and she had a big vegetable garden too, um, and she grew, she liked to make tea, you know, so she she grew her own mint for her sweet tea and things like that. So she had, you know, kind of a smaller culinary, but huge vegetable garden and tons of flowers. But every plant that she had had a name like Doug <laughs> and Sally and, you know, they had names. All her houseplants, she had all these crazy cactuses and stuff uh, on her little porch. She just loved cactuses was, you know, they tripped her out. She'd never seen any, as far as I know, in her whole lifetime, she never went anywhere where cactuses actually grew or lived, but she was fascinated with cactuses. So she had this giant cactus collection, but they all had names. So I remember, you know, as a very little girl, Um, hanging out with her and talking to the plants, you know, as though they were people, they felt like people, you really could understand that they each had a distinct personality and, you know, that was expressed through their appearance or their aroma or where they grew and how they grew. Um, So without really realizing that's what was going on, I learned a lot, you know, from her in that early bit. My dad uh, is a pharmacist So I spent summers working in the drugstore with my dad, and the coolest days were when he would let me play around with compounding, you know, and mix in a little bit of this (laughs) and a little bit of that. Did he let you do that for clients or just uh, yeah? He did no, because I was really good at it. So (laughs) yeah, even as a kid, I was I like, you know, uh, I'm a Virgo for people who care about such things, but I'm pretty particular, you know, and kind of have this little, I enjoy things that are precise and, and, you know, uh, I was very careful, a very careful young compounder behind <laughs> the drugstore counter. And he was always interested in plant pharmacology from a pharmacist perspective, but you know, where the, where the things in the drugs he was dispensing, what they were originally derived from the history of the pharmaceuticals. And, you know, the majority of them are based on plant 
compounds or plant constituents. So, you, you know, you just kind of absorb through osmosis. But those two things together, you know, informed my whole childhood. Um, so I had uh, a lot of plant, uh, interesting different kinds of plant experience and plant knowledge, you know, moving out into the world on my own as a young adult. And um, I knew about uh, seasonal tonics because those were part of my story. You know, my, my grandmother would go and, you know, not complicated things, but we'd go dig sassafras, you know, or get certain bark. She loved black cherry, you know, and making a black cherry syrup that was always on hand if somebody had a cough and, you know, a good strong mint tea if you had an upset belly. And she was a fan of tobacco and tobacco smoke. And, you know, if you had an earache, you'd blow that tobacco smoke. Or if we got stung by a bee, she would always... Tobacco put tobacco on, yeah. and then put a copper penny on top of the tobacco, right? <laughs> I don't know what the copper penny is all about. I think about, it was to hold the tobacco. I don't know either. Maybe that's what that was for. But, you know, so plant medicine was was in there. It was part of the story. But uh, it was, you know, wasn't anything that I particularly thought about until way later, you know, as a young adult, you know, moving into my older teenage years. Um, I got interested more in utilitarian plant work because I did a lot of hiking and backpacking and, you know, so I really got interested in wild food and, you know, what plants you could use to make cordage or shelter, you know, and it was more the utilitarian, but then the medicinal was just right there. There weren't really herb books back then though, you know? So, you know, when I first came across, uh, gosh, I think back to Eden, was maybe the first herb book I ever got my hands on, uh, or Kloss, something like that. It was just, it was, you know, it was a huge revelation that so many plants were medicinal. You know, I knew about this and I knew about that, but that was a game changer for sure. And then, you know, the whole natural world that I was already in love with just opened that much further. Um, you know, I really looked at plants very differently from that book and forward and sought out books. Books were, you know, few and far between, but when you could get your hands on one, you know, I didn't know any teachers for a long time. Um, and was know. it, were you still in Alabama at this point? I was still in Alabama then. Yeah. So, you know, my formal education took a really different turn, but the plants were always a part of my interest, you know, and my personal time and my free time, you know, playing around with teas and even combining, I didn't have loose, herbs there was nowhere to get such things unless you know you went out and collected but I would still play around with combining you know tea bags you know flavors and just you know yeah things like that traditional medicinals wasn't even around then y'all you know no you had some Lipton but you know every now and again you could <laughs> or like some, the uh what was it called the titlows or whatever the little titly was it Tetley? No, oh, no, yeah. Bigelow's. I'm thinking oh, Bigelow's. exactly. You could get yeah, Bigelow's occasionally. You could, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that was, you know, that was good times when uh, <laughs> you could find anything about plants. So a lot of self-study for me, for sure. You know, but I'm also a junkie for an herb class and I still love to take classes anytime I can. I'll do that till the day I die. I love As learning about plant medicine. Yeah. As we should. I was just talking to someone today on the phone about, um, no, it was at, I was actually at Moonrise Herbs Uh and um, passing out some flyers and um, 
the the woman was like, oh, yay, another class about plants. And I was like, yeah, as soon as you think you can't learn something new about a plant, you go to a class and then absolutely you have some new favorite use for a plant you've been using for every class never have i ever been to an herb class that i didn't come away with something (laughs) new ever yeah still yeah yeah totally so much fun so much fun yeah um so yeah you've had a very varied a very varied journey with plants um what inspired you to open Humboldt Herbals and when was that again a long time ago it was I know a long time ago <laughs> so uh well so several things throughout my whole life story have been <laughs> motivated from a sense of uh of social injustice I'll just I'll leave it at that but a lot of a lot of things through my life, you know, and directions I've wound up taking in my life, um, big life changes. That's been a motivation, you know, that that something different must be than than what is. Uh, So I started Humboldt Herbals. Um, I just moved to Humboldt County from San Francisco uh, and was new in the community. Um, I knew, you know, I, I lived on my own enough and traveled around enough and you know, through college and grad school to know that a good way to meet people that you're going to enjoy spending time with is to take a class. So when I first moved to Humboldt, the very first thing I did was <laughs> found out where the local herb classes were and I signed up. And still some of my very best friends to this day, including you, <laughs> I met in that first herb class. Yep, you know? I remember. Yeah. I just moved to town yeah. as well. So we're, we're back in 98. <laughs> so we don't have internet then. Hard to believe, but we didn't. <laughs> you know, it was there. wasn't something people used. You certainly didn't shop online. You know, that was definitely far on into the future. What made me want to start Humboldt Herbals was that at the time I moved to Humboldt County, there was one resource for uh, for plants, for herbal medicine. There, there was a little herb shop, um, and that shop's still there, and it's lovely. It's changed, you know, things have changed over time, and I really um, appreciate and value that shop very much. But when I first moved here, for whatever reason, you know, just maybe because I needed to start Humboldt Herbals. I don't know. Um, but the feeling, it wasn't a welcoming environment to go in and get my plant medicine. I'll put it like that. And it was extremely overpriced. I thought the quality of the herbs on the shelf, they just seemed uh, tired. You know, they weren't vibrant. It was very disappointing um, because by this point, herbs had become very much a part of my daily life. Uh, so I wanted access. I just come from San Francisco. I was used to a certain level of quality and a certain level of service when I, when I, you know, needed assistance or wanted to just go, you know, purchase my, my herbs, you know, for my teas, whatever I was doing, even culinary herbs. Um, so I was really, uh, disappointed by my experience and that that was my only option for that. And I felt, um, I just felt a sense that that wasn't okay, you know, that not just myself, but the people, the community, you know, that, that there could be another option and it could be a much different experience for people because I had had a much different experience, you know? So, um, I started Humble Turbles as a mail order catalog because I had zero money 
to put into a business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the whole thing went on. I think I had a little credit card that had like a $2,000 limit, you know, and that, that was Humboldt Herbals. <laughs> so I remember that mail order. <laughs> yeah. I so I had a, a local friend, uh, she's still around, but she, uh, she did this incredible artwork for me. She literally hand drew the products, you know, that we had, which were not that many. I started, I think I had 25, maybe 30 herbs is what I, you know, started with in the beginning, your basics. You know, I had yellow dock and nettle and chamomile and, you know, some mints and, you know, echinacea. I don't remember what all in that original 25 or 30 herbs. But uh, what I also found through the herb community, um, and in Humboldt County, it's a very vibrant community. It, it was, you know, it, it was unlike anything I had experienced up to that point in terms of community participation and knowledge and care for 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 the wild and uh and the medicine of the earth you know there was just this real um sentience and presence of that that was uh very new and that I still don't come across I mean within the herb community I do but as a community in general you know when you travel around I still right, think like that's a, a unique thing Absolutely. About Humboldt County. Um, so people were making these incredible herbal products, you know, some of them with some level of, you know, business success or moving toward that. But there was like this really uh, incredible passion and and uh, quality to, you know, the salves and tinctures that were being made locally, but nobody knew about them. You know, there weren't the shops weren't really selling them. Maybe a few things were in this one herbal resource that we had. But that was kind of a, another part, you know, I thought, oh my gosh, there's all this incredible medicine being made and I wanted those medicines for myself. And I, you know, thought if I want them, I bet a lot of people would want these medicines for themselves too, if they had a way to access that. So, um, you know, I, I talked to those people, yeah, we want to put our products in your catalog, you know, so my friend would draw their tincture bottle with their little label and we had those kinds of products in the first Herbals <laughs> catalog and uh and darned if the orders didn't start coming in you know they did straight away and people would come to my house and pick their stuff up because my you know the first iteration of the, of the business was uh in my little uh I had a little sun porch and that's where all the herbs and things were so people would you know, call me up and, hey, have you got this? You got this? Yeah, I'd put their order together. They'd come by and pick it up. I would leave stacks of the catalogs when we, you know, finally got, I had to teach myself page maker, which was really a daunting task at the time. Computers also have come a long way in 20 years. So let me tell you, the 20 year ago version of page maker was like, definitely not user friendly, but uh, figured it out. You know, there was a lot of literal cutting and pasting before the thing got carried over to the to the guy, also local person who printed the catalogs and stuff for me. But I'd leave stacks at laundromats and at the local universities and just anywhere I could find a table, you know, to leave catalogs. And they found their way around. I started getting orders from San Francisco and different places. And you'd think, oh, my gosh, how does this person even know, you know, that, that we're here, that I'm here, that this medicine's here? But I from the very beginning... Um, it's something I still do. It's not exactly, I don't know, might be in a little gray area in terms of the FDA. Sorry, FDA. But it was important to me that people have information about the plants that they were getting. Um, 
so I, I would, I made these little labels, you know, and so on every bag of herbs, there was the label that had the common name and then the botanical name and, you know, how it was grown, whether it was organic or wildcrafted or whatever. And then a second label that just had a little four line blurb about the medicinal properties of that plant. Yeah, I typed up a lot of these you typed labels. Up a I lot <laughs> those labels. So I I did that immediately. I, I did that with the very first little bag of nettles that ever went out, you know, in trade. Uh and it's it it's still how I, I do herbs at my shop, you know, to this day. And yes, we go through thousands and thousands of labels. So we can you know, curtain falls, time passes, but eventually the catalog had enough support that I felt comfortable opening a retail location. It was uh, really scary. It was a tiny little place. Well, let's break here before we talk about the transformation okay. of catalog to storefront. <laughs> there we go. We'll be back okay. with Julie Caldwell. This is Jessica Baker back with Julie Caldwell, herbalist, plant lover, and shopkeeper for Humboldt Herbals here in Eureka, California. We were just discussing how you were a mail order company, and at some point it got big enough to be a brick and mortar store. So why don't you tell us a little about that transition? So that transition was uh, a little terrifying in the beginning. <laughs> I... Uh, I rented this uh, little uh, space that wasn't, I don't think it had ever been a storefront before I moved into it. I think it was an attorney's office. It was set up, you know, in that kind of a, of a style as more of, you know, someone's office. So there was, it had kind of two rooms, a uh, front room that probably was the reception waiting area. And then a back room that's probably where the attorney who had it before me, you know, had a, had whatever desk, etc. But uh, it's it's all I could afford. And so I decided I was going to go for it. You had to walk upstairs, up two flights of stairs to get to this spot. So people were like, you're crazy. That's just, that's a horrible place to put a store. Nobody's going to come, you know, but whatevs. It felt good to me. And I thought, I thought it had a chance because I knew what the need in the community was uh, for the plants. And easy access, not that going up two flights of stairs is necessarily easy, but it was in a part of town, um, is still in a part of town, uh, that's called Old Town. That's a really lovely little shopping district um, right on the waterfront. And it's it's kind of an equal distance. Humboldt County is a huge county. So for our main communities, uh, Eureka, Arcata, et cetera. Uh, it was a good central location for people to have easy access and a place where I knew that the more mainstream herbs are much more mainstream now than they were 20 years ago also. Yeah. So they were still very much, um, you know, had a reputation of, of maybe something that hippies did or the alternative communities, but not something that, you know, your, your neighbor who, uh, goes to church every Sunday and participates in the Rotary Club, you know, maybe not something that they had access to. So it was important to me to pick a location and to design the store in a style that was going to feel comfortable. That was my target market. My target market were the people who really didn't know much about plants, but I knew how much they could benefit from incorporating a few plants into their daily life. So I, I wanted to be easy and comfortable for them to find me and come to me. Um, 
So my first, uh, I couldn't afford any fixtures in the beginning. So I, I uh, became a connoisseur of cardboard boxes of certain styles and sizes that I would flip upside down on the floor and cover them with a pretty little cloth and put products on top of the cardboard boxes. Those were my first uh, displays in the shop. And I uh, had a friend, you know, the universe just lined things up for me. That's all I can say. I had a buddy who um, had learned some woodworking skills, who's actually really quite talented, but hadn't done too much professionally or things that people bought. So he gave me beyond a rock bottom rate to create this custom shelving to hold herb jars. He measured, I knew the kind of jars I wanted. So he measured the jars and planned, planned the shelving so that it would work perfectly. And I would like to say that here almost 20 years later, I'm still using those exact same shelves for my herb jars. <laughs> They've moved location now. So when the jars went in, that was, that's when it really, that's when things got real, you know? So I was able to carry more herbs. I remember dreaming about one of the little small wall spaces uh, in the shop that I was going to have more shelves there and it was just going to be full of teas. And I would talk about the wall of tea and someday that's going to be the wall of tea. You know? And it all came to pass. Everything came to pass. The community did start coming right away. I won't say it was slammed. It was far from it. <laughs> you know, there were plenty of times when I just prayed I would make enough to make my rent and pay the phone bill, you know, every month. But word of mouth got out. Um, one thing I, I set up, uh, and I still love when I see that um, in herb shops. I, I wish every herb shop were set up in this way. Uh, so that so that it's a full service situation. It's it's you know not a self serve. You just go get your own herbs out of the jar and take them somewhere to get them weighed. Um, I I designed the store so that it would be more. Um, I call it the herb bar um, because I was a bartender all through <laughs> college and grad school. And uh, there's just something about the interactions that happen across a bar, you know. And I I wanted that kind of sense of familiarity. Um, with the customers when they came in and that kind of ease of, of, uh, you know, I, I don't know the psychology of why that happens, but there's something comfortable about standing, uh, standing at a bar, even if it's a bar that has plants instead of alcohol, you know, and, and the information that can happen and the conversation that can happen around the plants, you know, or whatever might be going on in the person's life as you're weighing up and dispensing their herbs for them. Even people who know what what they're doing with the plants, you know, as a shopkeeper, as a retail herbalist, which is a really interesting hybrid, um, I must say now, this many years into that experience, it's a, it's a peculiar, uh, different way of interacting with the community in relation to the plants. I think for many, you know, it's, it's not exactly a clinic. It's not exactly, uh, you know, you're not really doing full in-depth consultations. There's so much healing and information that that happens and transpires in that retail environment, though. And at your shop, you only hire herbalists. Exactly. Yeah, we're and forever that will be, which uh, makes it so unique because it's not just retail. You can actually no. go get some good herbal advice there. That's right, and it's important because even people who you know who know what they're doing, maybe we you know as you're weighing up their chamomile that they just love to have a cup of at night. You know, they're not really coming in looking for information about 
how to use their chamomile. But when you're weighing it up, maybe the opportunity comes up to say, hey, have you ever made a big batch of this and just soaked in it in the bathtub, you know? Maybe, oh, I've never thought about doing that, you know? Or did you know that this is delicious if you infuse a little bit in some honey, you know, just let that sit a while and strain it off and then you've got your whole chamomile honey ready to go. No, I never knew that, you know. So there's all sorts of opportunities to share tips and just get information and connect with the community. Um, a huge part of it is community connection and facilitation. I think that's a lot of the work of the plants uh, in general is connecting, you know, uh, connecting back to uh, just the simple basics, you know, back to our to our inner wisdom and our inner wildness, you know, our, our part of us that is in tune and remembers and knows what it's like to be in a constant relationship with the natural world. You know, the plants, a lot of their medicine is about that. One of my teachers always says, plants don't, plants don't heal. What they do is they create the environment where healing can happen. Um, and so that longing for that feeling of being in that environment where healing can happen. It's astonishing to watch what will happen in people's lives. Uh, I have still daily people who come to the shop who have never worked with plant medicine ever before, never been in an herb store, you know, and, and they'll get their first tincture or their first tea blend. And to be able to watch the evolution, you know, over time, because the next thing you know, when they're in the store, they're talking about, you know, this new class they just signed up for, you know, this, uh, they, they've, you know, always wanted to do a garden and they just decided to put in a raised bed and make a garden, you know, but you see these things and I know it's the plants. I always know it's <laughs> the plants that are in there doing their dance. You know, once that green gets back in, it just starts to wake things up, you know, that are going to bring you in that closer communion with the natural world and with a more vibrant state of mind and state of health just to walk through your life. You know, they give you such fortitude for that. So, um, yeah, the community, you know, word got out. I didn't do any advertising. I couldn't afford to do any advertising. You know, a flyer here and there. I taught a bunch of classes in the beginning, just, you know, simple, super simple classes, you know, how to how to make tea, you know, the difference between an infusion and a decoction, things like that, you know, um, or little tea tastings or incorporating more medicinal herbs in your recipes. You know, we did a little cooking with herb classes. I'd schlep my hot plate and my blender and a crock pot, you know, <laughs> had little folding chairs set up and, you know, people would come and we would talk about these things and learn together. And, and so, you know, referral, referral, referral. Um, I took a lot of time to research for, for the people when, when they needed research when it was a complicated we'd get the herb books out and do it together i had the gift of time then to really be able to spend a lot of time because it was pretty slow you know i mean it was you know i i could do that with them and learn along with them and we would try together you know sometimes it'd be like well maybe let's let's try these three herbs in a formula and see how that feels for you see what happens you know so we learned a lot um, I learned a lot. They learned a lot. Uh, it's how a lot of the tea blends that I still have today came to be, uh, different tincture formulas that are proprietary formulas. Now, how those came to be was this interaction back and forth and, you know, try this, see if this works for you, you know, and let me know. And I was fortunate to get that feedback so that we could tweak and hone until eventually, 
Um, you know, I know there's never the one size fits all, but in some ways kind of there is. James Duke, He, I did get the chance uh, as an undergraduate to go hear him lecture. Uh, he is also from Alabama and he was speaking at my university. Uh, I don't remember the name of the topic, but I just knew I wanted to go here. There was something in the write-up. They, it, it, he, he wasn't even being presented as an herbalist. He was doing the uh, I think the ethnobotanical database work for the U.S. government or something then. Anyway, giving this this lecture that I wanted to go to. And it he did wind up talking quite a bit about plant medicine. Um, it, it informed so much of my entire herbal story. But the one thing that forever stuck in my mind, he was using Yellow Dock as his example. But he said, an herb will work 10,000 different ways for 10,000 different people. And he said, and here's why, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of constituents in every plant. And when a person takes that plant into their body, there's already a knowing, there's a long-term relationship that has existed since the beginning of humans with the people in the plants. And that person's body knows on a cellular level exactly which one of those 400 constituents and exactly which proportion it needs to facilitate healing. And every person who takes that plant is going to pull and absorb a different array of those constituents. He he talked about it like going to a buffet, you know, and everybody who goes through the buffet line is going to take different amounts and different bits of things that are offered from the buffet and that plant medicine is exactly the same. So I always had that in my mind, but then to see that really play out. So yes, maybe I have, you know the same formulas that I'm going to recommend, you know, with some variation. But what I know is that each person who takes that particular tea blend is actually getting a very unique and personalized experience from that tea, even though it's the same herbs that I'm going to give, you know, perhaps the next person in the door, their experience of of how that works in their body is going to be very unique and special to them. So that, um, you know, in a way as an herbalist, uh, you know, it kind of gives you a sense of freedom's not quite the right word, but something like that. You know, you're not you're not <laughs> likely to uh, to uh, lead people down the wrong path when you keep it simple and keep it, you know, to the basics. Um, to you know, I kind of my top dozen sometimes is what I call it. It's interesting because I do now as in a very busy herb shop, we've gone from those slow, slow days to we probably see, you know, at least 200 people a week now at Humboldt Herbals, at least, you know, unique encounters of, of our community. <laughs> All various degrees oh, of attention oh, needed. <laughs> my goodness, but it's fantastic, you know, but yeah, thousands and thousands of pounds of herbs that we move through now every year and um, it's pretty amazing. But uh, that, uh, you know, I have herbs on the shelf that come from all over the world because people want them. You know, you learn about different herbs. There's different traditions that people are coming from. There's so many different books out there that people are using for their resources and references. And, and it, you know, we're a global community now, but for myself and the things that I still go to, it's still the basics of what grows around me. That's what I most resonate with. For my own self, I'm still going to choose 
nettle. I'm going to go with yellow dock. I'm going to go with dandelion and elderberries and lemon balm. And, you know, and for herbalists, these are some of the first plants that you learn about, you know, but then you learn about all these other exotic plants from all these other countries and environments. And, you know, maybe someone's written a really compelling book about them and you think that's the plant I need because it does all that. It's like (laughs) also the plant in your backyard. It's pretty likely to give you that same healing experience, you know, if you give it a go. So it's, uh, yeah, sometimes feels like a contradiction to have herbs from all over the world when for my own personal self, I have my very limited... you know, pharmacopoeia that I choose from, but, but, uh, yeah, that's part of the, the trade of being in retail, I think. That is. And let's yeah. take a break here. And then we're going to talk about the sustainability of working with herbs from all over the world. This is Jessica Baker, and I'm back with Julie Caldwell, shopkeeper of Humboldt Herbals in Eureka, California. We were just talking about sustainability. I mean, you have been, you know, buying herbs for a retail market for the last 20 years almost. So I know you've noticed a lot in respect to not only prices of herbs, but also availability. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, in terms of a mass consumer market with herbalism, it can it truly be sustainable i think it can be sustainable i think we got to have a lot more people growing plant medicine out there though you know i mean the best case scenario is that you're able to purchase from your bioregion you know that would be the ideal case scenario for all of us um i think the interest in planetary herbology is always going to play a factor in that um There are a lot, for example, though, many of the herbs that are popular in traditional Chinese medicine grow very well here in the Pacific Northwest. There's a lot of climate similarities. So, you know, people are able to grow in in my, you know, greater bioregion, even though the plants and the medicinal information maybe originates from another culture in another country. you know, that's that's kind of made a transfer. I'm thinking specifically of astragalus right now, for example, um, which is uh, an herb that's that's been a pretty uh, popular crossover, if you want to call it that, into, into the Western Materia Medica. Um, a lot of people love that plant. It grows really, really well here in the Pacific Northwest. So I actually... The company that I purchased my astragalus from, um, it's it's grown in Oregon. And so I think the more we can see things like that happen, um, that's going to greatly impact the sustainability. I think it it is worth considering um, whether it's appropriate to sell some herbs that are endangered, for sure, um, in the places that they grow. An example at the shop, um, there's a, a, it's in the Valerian family. Um, and it's, a usually, uh, available as a powder in trade commerce, um, and is used a lot for sleep, comes from Ayurvedic tradition. Um, Jatamanzi is usually the common name that people know this plant by, uh, and it's been harvested to the brink, um, in India where it's native. Um, it's very hard to find, um, 
but people who are trained in Ayurveda, it's one of the top herbs that they learn about, not only for uh, assistance with sleep, but for a lot of the same things that we work with valerian for. So, you know, muscular cramps and spasms and things like that. It, things in the body that need can benefit from being relaxed. Um, it's useful for that. So uh, there was a time when we had it in the shop. Um, uh, one of my herbalists on staff uh, is an Ayurvedic practitioner, um, and she, you know, had worked with it extensively in her practice and really wanted it to be available for the people because so effective. People did love it. It was very effective for them. Um, and I had it for, oh gosh, in stock for probably almost two years before I came across the information. I wasn't aware that it was, you know, becoming a threatened plant because of over-harvesting. And it, it only grows in pretty particular, um, you know, it's it's not a dandelion out there. Um, it, it, it needs some special circumstances to grow. And so I wasn't comfortable offering that even more. Even though my customers wanted it, there was a lot of disappointment when I pulled it from the shelf, but I didn't want to participate in that. So there's, there's, a, there's an education piece for the, for the people who are participating in the herbal trade, whether you're growing the plants or you're purchasing the plants, you're a wholesaler of the plants, but we all have to be personally responsible for how we're participating in the system that's set up. Um, sustainability is going to increasingly be a problem because more and more people by the hundreds of thousands are becoming interested in plant medicine every year, finding the plants to be effective for their preventative care, for their vitality and sense of well-being, and they want to work with the plants. We are co-evolved with the plants. It's it's in our it's in our blood to to want the plants to be a part of us. You know, they do give us our life very literally. I mean, we are a heterotropic beads. We obviously need organic matter to survive. <laughs> we need organic matter and we need oxygen, interestingly enough. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> and guess where that comes from, right? So yeah, we can't live without the plants. Um, so people are going to continue. I mean, the, you know, the, the herbal industry is going to continue to grow by leaps and bounds. It's, it has astonishing growth rates every year, every year, every year. And that's been the case as long as I've been in this business, you know, I mean, huge. I don't know any other industry, if you want to call it that, that has that kind of sustained growth rate. Um, so where are all these plants going to come from? You know, um, it is troubling sometimes when my beloved nettle, you know, which grows so prolifically in my part of the world, um, that the organic nettle that I, that I have to buy for the shop might sometimes be coming from somewhere as far away as Bolivia or Croatia has a huge herb trade. So many of the organic medicinal herbs on the market are sourced from Croatia. And so, you know, there's work being done and Armbrecht is doing a great project right now, researching the sustainability from, from grower down the chain and what's happening and and you know is it fair are the workers being treated fairly and i will tell you the answer to that for the most part is no when it's outside of this country no they're not at all you know they're barely making a a wage that they can survive on and i'm talking literally you know right. literally enough to just have a little bit of food every day and working their asses off in these fields and harvesting and the plant medicine's beautiful. And then it gets piled in these giant warehouses where when you go and visit, you know, the, 
the herb broker, and they're called brokers, so yes, stock brokers, herb brokers. So your herb broker is going to come out oftentimes dressed to the nines, you know, uh, very professional, very polished, very expensive. And that's the majority of the money that's being made is in that piece. So, so the people who are harvesting and growing make very little. The brokers are making bank. And then, you know, on down it goes. So a wholesaler is going to be the next person in the chain who's going to work with the broker to get, you know, all the herbs they need. Mountain Rose uh, is a place that I've done business with for many years, and I hope to continue to. Um, and I've I've seen changes happen because Mountain Rose has grown so much. They are the largest supplier of bulk medicinal herbs in our country yeah. right now. And, you know, the oh my gosh, millions of pounds of herbs that they move now. So I understand that they have to have a, a reliable source, you know, when they're doing that kind of trade. People order hundreds, you know, in single orders. You know, I'm, I, I consider myself a small fry in relation to what some companies are ordering. If they're making a particular product, you know, a lot of those places are getting their herbs from Mountain Rose as well. You know, we probably get, I don't know, 250 to 300 pounds of herbs from Mountain Rose every month, you know. Um, And that's my community herb shop, you know, here in Humboldt. So, So, I mean, you're almost reliant on having a wholesaler that can just fulfill not only your need, but other stores too. That's right. Because then I'm going to be, you know, with an empty jar of nettles when allergy season rolls around. You know, there's some medicines, uh, some of the plants that I just consider to be fundamental to have on hand and we've seen short supplies in the last couple of years that has never happened until the last few years where you know literally out of stock on something like nettles you know we probably won't have it back in for another month and you think how can this be (laughs) you know how is that possible chickweed is really hard to get for example also in a dried form right now there's you know the out of stock is much more prevalent yeah than it ever has been before and i think that can only get more complicated without some some new you know some new uh product into the supply chain but the way for that to happen in a sustainable way is something that everybody has to participate in all the way through you know we have to be able to say at some point you know it the workers you know it has to be fair there has to be fair trade in our uh, in our in our product line as well. And that's not a conversation that's really happened because it is such a global market. It's huge global trade. Right. Um, yeah. So I try to find local farms. That's that's my piece I do. I really spend a lot of time researching local places. They can't supply everything that I carry in the shop, but what they can supply, I will buy that from them. So I purchase herbs from I don't know, probably 25 different suppliers. And yeah, it's a lot to manage and keep up with. You know, it'd be much easier to just have your one-stop shop and go, that's where I get my herbs and that's that. But if I can find a smaller scale, you know, if I can find that company that is growing and processing their own plant material, nobody else is involved in the supply chain, I'm going to go with that company. The quality is always better. Is the price higher? Yes, it is. And I have found that, the people don't care about that. You know, when you educate and inform, oh gosh, well, this seems so much higher. It's like, yes, because I'm buying this directly from the people that grew this nettle that's in this jar. Right. And they go, ah, oh, you know, 
and then you just let them smell it and taste it and it's completely different yes it's such superior medicine you know it's just a much much better product so hopefully more people will will become excited who are who are farmers out there in the world i am not a farmer <laughs> but but for the farmers out there grow us some plant medicine <laughs> you know <laughs> i promise you the market's there <laughs> yeah yeah, that's definitely true. The market is there, and it's not going anywhere. No, it's we're disillusioned only grow. with Western medicine, so plants are just going to become more and more popular. Yeah, and grow your own. You know, grow your own. Yes, grow your own. Very important, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, we can maybe talk about that. It's kind of off subject. Are you finding working with smaller farms, if this applies to you at all, do they have to be? CGMP certified? I mean, is there like, is that only for packaged products or is that going into the farmer realm as well? It does go into the farmer realm um, a little bit, but not, not, you know, the GMP is not part of that world, but organic certification and those kinds of things are something that I do yeah. look for because I have to be responsible. I, I need to know, you know, um, that the quality that I'm offering to my community is the quality I would choose for myself. Um, so I'm very careful about organic, organically grown. I think uh, our wild populations of medicines uh, could be at risk really quickly. I don't want to participate in that. I think there is a vibrancy in wild plants, uh, but I'm not comfortable on the scale that I have to buy for for the shop. Uh, so much in doing that anymore. It's much more important to me um, to search out that organic, you know, organically grown. And usually the people that I'm buying plants from, the certification, um, they already have that in place. You know, I do have a few local folks that I work with that I know personally. Um, they're not certified organic, but I know what they're growing is absolutely organic and then some. And because I know those people, I've seen the plants, I've been I've been to their farms. I'm comfortable with buying product from them, you know, and offering it. Uh, but I, I do like to be able to, you know, have the comfort um, for liability purposes, you know, to, to know that I can go back to my bag and find a lot number and a batch number um, and trace that back. Should something happen, I can say in all my years um, of being a community herbalist in a retail environment, I have had absolutely zero cases of uh, of any um, adverse effects from someone, um, you know, taking their teas or tinctures or, you know, I, you know, I hope that continues to be, but I've, I've never had uh, anyone come back and say this plant made me ill or this plant, you know, in some way caused distress, you know, to need to go back through and check, you know, was it something about that particular lot number or batch number, you know, has anyone else reported anything about that, those kinds of things. So, you know, I, I do want to know that I have that information if I can. So that's something I look for in the farmers that I'm working with. Uh, I want to know their story. I want to, I want to be able to feel and trust that they have integrity about what they're doing, you know, that they, that they really love what they're growing and care about the quality and care about the efficacy um, that they care about the plants, you know, that, that that integrity is there matters a lot. Um, I don't carry any, for example, with my tinctures, I almost said I don't carry any big name brands in my shop, but that's <laughs> not true because there are a few. I have some new chapter products, you know, I have I have some of those guys, but, uh, 
my tinctures, I, I don't carry any of, of the big companies that are out there because for those big companies to, to do what they do on the scale that they do it, there's an awful lot of machinery involved. Uh, and, a, and a lot of the human, uh, the human relationship with the plants, uh, becomes becomes minimal um, because it's such a huge production. I want to buy tinctures from people who I know are involved with every step of making that tincture. Often they grow their own plants, but I absolutely know that they're checking, they're shaking those tincture jars, you know, and they're checking it out and they're tasting and they're the ones who are bottling, you know, and, and uh, there's just... There's such a love and commitment to the work, you know, that they're doing that I think absolutely translates into what's in that bottle on the shelf. So, you know, it's 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 a matter again of I I put things on my shelf that I choose for myself, um, and uh, I I like to find these smaller these smaller folks out there that I can know their story. I know who I'm talking to. I know the person who's you know answering my phone or email, you know, <laughs> queries is the person who's making the medicine. You know, it's not going to a department out there. So uh, that's just a personal preference. I'm able to do that um, at right. the size business that I have. So, yeah, I don't think Whole Foods can do that, but I can. <laughs> and I don't right. Know. Absolutely. No, I mean, yeah. and that is a huge difference. I mean, what I, because we don't have Whole Foods up here, right. you know, now mm-hmm. that I'm in Denver <laughs> and um, I still don't go to Whole Foods unless I have to. Thankfully, there are other options. But um, I didn't realize how regional they are with some of their products. Yeah. But then you go into a Whole Foods, you know, in San Francisco or you go to a Whole Foods in Denver and then you go to Whole Foods in Tennessee because they have them there now. And then you see all the same brands over and over, like in the yeah. wellness department. And yeah. that's when you're like, yeah, it's, they have some regional things, but it's not the norm for their, right? you know, for their mission right. statement or whatever. And I'm not bashing the big companies. I mean, I think herbal medicine needs to be accessible and available to all the humans as, you know, <laughs> as much as we can make that happen. I wish every community had a fabulous herb shop that, uh, you know, they could go in and know that the people who work there knew what they were talking about and could get some good advice and assistance and which herbs to take for what, you know, it's a cool thing about the retail setting. Again, you know, we have a lot of herb students, for example, in the area and sometimes they come in and, you know, they've just had their first herb class and their friends got a cold. And so they've got their list. It's like, you know, yeah, I want chaparral and echinacea and golden seal and, you know, <laughs> and OSHA. And I'm going to put all these things together and make this awesome tea, you know, and you're like, or maybe, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> maybe you might just want to try one of those and let's talk about why that might be. And also, have you considered this bit? You know, you get the opportunity to kind of find out what people are doing or they'll yeah. come in with these crazy recipes that somebody's found on some website, you know, out there. And, and you can, you know, you can kind of go in and mediate that situation. And in a self-serve shop, I just, you know, I don't think that's how the plants want to be want to be uh connected no know? they want somebody to actually talk to them and let you know what they're here for yeah so anybody out there thinking about opening an herb shop do it <laughs> we need them we need a lot of really good herb <laughs> shops in this country <laughs> um but we need full service herb shops we need full service <laughs> herb shops do not do not let the people 
go digging up in the jars and self-serving plants. I mean, yes, it's plants, but it is, you know, it is medicine and, and, uh, the plants, they, they deserve the utmost respect, the utmost respect. They should be treated with great respect and care. You know, the people need to understand the value of what's in that bag as well. You know, you have the opportunity to explain, you know, there's, there's a difference, you know, cause we can do this now we can go online and look up, you know, we'll just say allergies, whatever. So you're going to come across this information. Nettles are great for allergies. Go get some nettles, you know. And so off you go. Maybe it's the self-serve herb store. You're going to scoop out some nettles, put them in a bag, take them home, make your tea. You know, is it going to be effective? Maybe, you know, depends on the quality, how long that herb's been hanging out on the shelf that you bought it from. Is it organic? Was it loved? These things matter, <laughs> you know. But uh, I'll tell you, uh what makes a huge difference is when you have the opportunity with that person coming in to get their nettles. And this is not someone who knows what a nettle is. They just read about it, right? They have no idea what this plant looks like. You know, I read about nettles. Do you have this thing? It happens all the time. People come in with their list, you know, and they don't know, do you have calendula here? <laughs> you know, and yes, we do have calendula. You know, they don't know what this is, right? So you can explain how that nettle grows. You know, have you ever seen a nettle, you know? We have like a quick little handy uh, picture book, you know, with photographs of plants that we'll often grab, you know, when somebody's brand new. And because then that story of how strong that nettle is and that that the stem, the stalk of the nettle makes one of the strongest fibers ever known. You know, the strongest cord possible can come from the strength that's in the stem of that nettle and the vibrant green that it gets that it just stands out you know when you're when you're on a walk and you see it it's got a richness and a deepness that um that is very special to nettle that you know that deep healing nourishing property of it and so when you explain about that and let them get at least some kind of a a mental image of the story of of what nettle really is well, then what's in that bag becomes a whole different thing. You know, it's got a whole different property and quality that that impacts them when they take that medicine in. They're going to think of that story and think of that nettle, maybe even go do a little more research on it just to see what it looks like. You know, um, it's profound, the the efficacy, the way efficacy gets enhanced when you when you can take a minute and explain you know, what the plant looks like, how the plant grows, you know, and you can talk a little bit about all the energetic properties of, of the sun and the moon and the stars and the rain and the wind on the leaves, that that all becomes part of the medicine that you're taking into your body. And the, the remembrance of that, you know, the reminder of that, um, it just doesn't happen when you're following your list and scooping out, just scooping it out, plant material. Yeah. 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 So true. Yeah. Well, let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about you and the plants and the importance of educating people about the plants. Just so not only for, you know, so we know what medicinally they're good for, but that what you referred to is that deeper remembrance of just our coevolution with all of these wonderful plant, you know, allies.
So we're back with Julie Caldwell. Um, Julie, along with having Humble Herbals, you also now have a community classroom right beside your shop. Very exciting. Which is great. And just another way that you're able to um, educate the community about herbs and give other teachers an opportunity to teach there, which I think is great, Um, especially in this isolated community. We've been pretty limited to the teachers we could have in terms of herbalism. And um, Jane does a great job with the Festival of Herbs, bringing people up. Mm -hmm. But now that you have your community classroom... Even more people can come up and teach, which is amazing. Tell us a little bit about your classroom and what you offer. So the classroom has been very exciting development. Um, and we, we offer the basics. Those are the classes we most love to teach and offer through Humboldt Herbals over there. So there's a kitchen space. Um, we teach people how to incorporate medicinal herbs into their favorite recipes, you know. Uh, We'll have them, in fact, bring a favorite recipe and all figure out together, you know, which which medicinal herbs would be excellent additions to their favorite soup or stew or or uh, broth or grains. Um, We love to teach people uh, the basics of tea making, you know, for themselves. What when when do you decoct an herb? When do you infuse an herb? We talk about solar and lunar infusions. Um, We teach people how to make tinctures and how to make salves and lip balms and creams. And uh, we do some very introductory uh, plant spirit connection kinds of classes. Uh, It's it's a wonderful way to get the community uh, more involved in their own healing process. It's a wonderful way to teach the community about the abundance of medicine that grows in our bioregion. Uh, it's a very lush, very abundant uh, plant medicine haven up here in the Redwood country. So uh, one of my personal favorites is taking people on herb walks and offering community herb walks um, because it changes people's lives, you know, to show them the plants. It's one thing to read about a plant or to know, you know, to to, uh, you know, come across a little information. Dr. Oz is talking about it, you know, <laughs> and to, to go out and have someone introduce you to that plant and people constantly, oh my gosh, I have this in my yard. I had no idea this was medicine. You know, it's so fun to watch that happen. And people go, I'm never going to drive down the highway the same way again. And it's like, no, you won't because you're going to see medicine everywhere you look now, you know, once you understand that, pretty much all the plants are medicine out there. So um, we want to, the goal is to empower people to be able to feel more confident in, uh, in managing their, their own health story, to have tools and skills and enough information available, you know, to know the right time to go out into their culinary patch and, you know, make a cup of thyme tea, you know, when, when they've got that cough that's persistent or, to go get their dandelions in the spring and chop up those roots, throw one in the cook pot. You know, it's super easy to make a tincture. Here's all there is to it, you know. Um, Blackberries, you know, whatever they have around them. We really encourage people to get out and connect themselves, make some medicines for themselves, make yourself a salve, you know, go out and collect a few plants and do that. Just try it. You know, whether it becomes something that they do forevermore, but then they know how it's done. They understand the process, and that's very empowering. We're so disconnected, uh, or 
many of us are very disconnected from the things that we take to assist our bodies. We buy our spices in little jars, handy dandy. You know, our our medicine cabinets are filled with with prepackaged bottles of of things that we've had no relationship with. Um, so that that uh, that personal relationship with the things that you put into and onto your body and understanding how they're made, what's in them, why, uh, is very empowering, you know, um, and it's important uh, to, I think, for all herbalists to bring that information to the people, you know, ev- everyone can, can make their seasonal tonics for themselves. Everybody, you know, if you can follow a recipe, you can make most of the herbal products that are out there. <laughs> Truth, you know, not that you will, but just to know that you could, you know, to know the medicine, even if you only knew five medicinal plants that grow where you live, you know, learn those five plants and make a little something from them. Um, this is what we try to get people to do. This is our main passion and focus with the classes at the at the community classroom is to get the community involved with the plants again in a really real hands-on day-to-day practical way you know um we want the people making their own medicines you know i i I love that they come and buy their medicines from humble durables but i love even more teaching them how to make their own tincture so that they can always have it on hand you know um and we are uh, able now to bring in some herbalists from out of the area, uh, which is which is exciting for uh, for the community and also for us because we want those people to come. It's like, yeah, come stay with me and teach a class. You know how how handy is that? So <laughs> we're really looking to expand that more and more. Uh, we do have a lot of interest, even though we're an isolated rural community up here. We tend to have pretty good turnout for a for herbalist and herb classes here. So we're really looking to expand more and more every year what we're able to offer to the community through the space. And it's, of course, available. We have so many interesting classes that get taught through that space because it's available for the community to rent as well. So we have people doing yoga classes and breathwork classes and painting classes and uh, cooking classes. And uh, it's it's really exciting to see, uh, to see a, a space that the community can use like that so that we can all learn from each other and, and share, share our skills up here. Yep. And definitely continue that community empowerment. Yes. I mean, what we haven't talked about is your logo that we help people understand nature's pharmacy. I mean, that (laughs) really is your, yeah. What you're really good at. I mean, amongst so many other things, but really just making that palatable for the normal person. That's right. You know? Yeah. It's the plants are the people's medicine. They always have been, you know, it's uh, just maybe two generations back that whoever might be listening to this, that, that, you know, your own family, probably your grandmother, you know, your great grandmother, definitely your great, great grandmother knew a lot about some simples out there, knew a lot about just some basic plant medicine, you know, what you take when you've got a cold, what you take when you've got a fever, what you take when you injure yourself, you know, when you get a scrape or a bump or a sting, you know, um, when you have a headache, they knew the plants to go to for that. We are just so close to that knowledge and so far from it. You know, it it evaporated so, so quickly. Um, I feel like it's a birthright, you know, to know that information. And also because the the practice of that, that we are so co-evolved with, our bodies know the plants, they know how to use the plants. 
and that relationship with the natural world is critical. It's critical. It's essential to our to our well-being. We cannot be well healthy humans without that connection to the natural world. And the plants, you know, just beckon us constantly as a way to maintain that connection. You know, it, even just the stop and smell the roses, you know, right. the scent of those roses, right? Changes your physiology immediately, you know, when those little compounds go in. So just that appreciation, that awareness, that smelling, thank a plant for the breath that you just took, you know, that remembrance of how intricately we're connected and bound to uh, to our plant ancestors. Um, and you do have the knowledge. We all have that ancestral knowledge of working in communion with the plants. Um, so I, I do feel it's, it's part of my life work to facilitate that connection in as many ways as I can and every opportunity that I can. Um, and the herb shops allowed me to do that way more than I ever thought, you know, would be possible. I had no idea when I started that business, it would grow into what it's become. No idea. It would, it would reach this level of community service. And it's just, you know, it's an incredible gift every single day to know how many lives in our community are able to be touched um, by the plants because Humble Turbles is there for them. Um, but yes, we help you understand nature's pharmacy. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Well, I feel like that's a good place to stop now that you have definitely uh, very eloquently told us your whole passion and mission in life. So I appreciate your community service and all the effort you put, you put towards, you know, just sharing that love of the plants and how important it is for us just to, um, to remember that we are of the plants and that for us to continue to thrive, that we have to just become even more intimate with our plant relations whether that's through yeah. a cup of tea or just walking by and appreciating their beauty mm -hmm. so, thank you julie thanks jessica i always appreciate your wisdom oh i appreciate you <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of the herb walk with jessica baker and a special thank you to my good friend julie caldwell for reminding us of how important it is to have a spiritual connection with our plant relations if you want to find out more about herbalism, subscribe to and download the Herb Walk podcast on iTunes today.